Is your prostate waking you up more often than your alarm clock? The fact is, the older you get, the more likely you'll have prostate problems, which can affect your everyday life. That's where Prostate Complete by Real Health comes in. Prostate Complete is the result of 20 years of experience as a leader in men's health. The powerful formula in Prostate Complete supports natural prostate function and reduced urinary urges for a better quality of life. Available at Walmart. Visit prostateoneperday.com for special offers. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You are listening to Real Men Feel with Andy Grant. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Hello and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is a very special edition of Real Men Feel. This is, wow, it's almost like an outrage episode of Real Men Feel. Uh, There is just, there's so much going on uh, in society, in in our health, in the way Americans work together or don't work together, which is really seems to be the case a little too much. Um, but a friend of mine, a past show, a past guest on the show, Al Fleming posted a video a couple of days ago, um, c- calling out white people, like, what can you do? And, and we're sick of black men dying and people being shot for jogging and it's just ridiculous. And, and I was uh, shocked and outraged. And then I turned the page. Uh, but when Al did his video, I was like, wow, what, what can I do? What's the least I can do? And literally the least I can do is this. Ask some friends of mine, prior guests of the show, to come on. You know, I'm a white, middle-aged man, in case you're only listening to this. I'm just some dumb, bald, white guy. I, uh, I cannot explain racial relations. I cannot fix them. But I can at least give a platform. I can at least open conversations. And that's what I'm here to do. So with me today is Al Fleming, who made the video that, that prompted this. Uh, Will Moore from Minneapolis. He's a healthcare worker and male doula who's been on the show in the past. And Yuchenna Uma, Dr. Lulu from Texas. And Al, I'm going to throw it to you first because you, I mean, you called me out. Your, your word struck a tone with me. Um, I felt your emotion, your outrage. And I, but I, that's, I can't understand it all because I've, you know, I've been a minority, you know, maybe under 10 times in my life. Like I, so I don't know what it is like to live that way, to not feel safe, to see, to see your brothers gunned down in America. Um, so tell me where you're at and what prompted you to make that video. Uh, thanks for having me, Andy. So I just, I have read about, you know, what was going on and I read about these things all the time. I'm a news junkie. And then, um, I saw in regards to, you know, Mr. Arbery, what had happened and I just kind of let it sink in and then I let it go by. Then I saw another headline about it and I posted it on Facebook. Um, and it was just, you know, there was some reaction to it or whatever, but very little. And so my mind, in thinking about it, it was just like, this is just so commonplace that nobody cares. And then the fact that we have, you know, the COVID-19 virus going on, you know, and the shenanigans coming out of the White House, like, all this is focused on that. And nothing is focused on what's really still happening in people's lives, especially in black people's lives. And so when I saw another, yet another headline saying, oh, well, you know, they're thinking about, you know, bringing charges and they're going to investigate this and the other. That's when I posted again. And, um, and I said, the next one I said, you know, this has got to stop. And the only way it's going to stop is if those who don't look like me take the time to really put their money where their mouth is. You know, you say you care, you say, oh, I feel for you, oh, that's horrible, you know, yeah, you stay silent and you do nothing. Or you'll, you know, post a little like or angry face or sad face on a post. Um, But still, that's not really anything being done. And then later that day, I was just taking a walk, and I had saw the whole, you know, 223, do the 2.23 miles, and do it on, you know, in honor of the day Mr. Arbery was uh, taken from us. Um, and I was, well, be, being where I live, I was like, well, tomorrow, that day, it's not going to work for me to walk. I know it's a rain or shine event, but it's not a rain, snow or shine event. Mm-hmm. Well, there's going to be like cold and snow happening. 
And I said, but I can't do something today. And so I got up and I started walking and thinking about it. And it was weighing heavy on me. And so that's when I posted that video. It was just, you know, off the top of my head. But I just started talking about my inner feelings about it all. And um, I did not expect, you know, to get anywhere near. Uh, it wasn't done for those things, for reactions or likes. It was just literally me saying, hey, wake up. Hey, this is happening. Hey, it's written into our constitution. Like, this is in the fabric of our society. Like, we got to change this. And the only way it's going to happen is for us all to do it. And so that's literally where it came out of and, and why I did it. And Will, do you recall when you first heard of, of this latest incident of, of what your initial reaction was? Yeah, so um, my initial reaction um, was kind of like a little bit numb just because I, it's, it's an every, I feel like it's an everyday thing. Um, and, and I have to actually, and because of that, I've developed strategies where when I see something like that, like the initial report, like I read through the whole thing to gather as many facts about it as I can, and then I shut the rest of it off because I'm tired of looking at it all the time. I mean, for for an African American, for and I'll speak for myself as an individual, me can I don't even have a Facebook, um, and I don't indulge in social media that way except for like my LinkedIn account, and I haven't even looked close, very closely at my LinkedIn account when any article that pops up about it. It's, to me, it's the equivalent of like re-traumatizing myself several times a day. Mm. I don't have the mental or emotional capacity to keep dealing with that. Um, and in a way, it almost, it's, it's like two different extremes. Um, in one instance, like I'm like super like callous towards it because it happened so much that I'm just like, uh. And then the other minutes, at other times, like I'm so like hurt and enraged and, and angry and that I just, to keep myself from going in this like bipolar type of reaction, like I have to like stop, like I can't do it. And then I find myself at different points in times, like I get angry at some of the stuff like we do about it. Like for instance, like I remember um, talking with some friends about it before, how I was upset with how movements different, you know, when uh, African-Americans take against causes like this, for instance, like, the whole running or jogging or walking 2.23 miles. Like I get what people are trying to do, but for me, it's just like, what is that? Like we need actionable steps. Me going out and getting extra cardio is not going to change the fact that my brothers or sisters are still being gunned down all day, every day. And it's just a normal thing. Like, and like I said, it's no disrespect. I understand that people are doing it, trying to come from a good place, but I need actionable steps. That's not going to do anything. Dude. Like actual steps to me are, Okay, we're not just protesting, we're not just hashtagging and stuff like that and putting little posts out, but like, are we gonna push towards legislation to start pulling police pensions? Are we gonna push for, for, for you know, police officers gunning down unarmed individuals? Are we gonna start pushing towards legislation or being more active in the voting process to A, address voter suppression, and then once we do that, make moves to put in candidates who really are, uh, 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 really uh, uh, believe in, in, in the issues that we, we have and are willing to act upon um, cases like this because, and the reason I say voter suppression is because that's one thing I feel like we, we neglect to do. We, we talk about voting and, and, and passing legislation and how much every vote counts, but in a lot of places, every vote doesn't count because we have stuff, if you pay attention to the politics at all, voter suppression is huge. And so a lot of our, the individuals that, you know, in the community who have a say are getting their vote counted. So we got to be strategic about it. And then there are times where I'm just kind of like, well, the, then does that even matter? Because I, as, as a board of director uh, for a local organization, this kind of conversation came up um, maybe about six months ago. Somehow, some way, the conversation came up about... Uh, you know, we had the whole Trayvon Martin case. We had Philando Castile, which has happened here locally, barely miles away from where I live at, and a couple other instances. And people are like, well, you know, all we can do is hope for the system to, um, you know, we got to believe in the system and the system will, will come through. And I said, I'm sorry. I said, but 
as the only African-American male in this room, I got to tell you, like, it's not advantageous for me to put my faith in a system. It's actually dead, deadly for me to put my faith in a system because the system has shown time and time and time again, once we go by those rules and once we go by the system, we still lose out. We can have video evidence and, and still be punished. Black people are the only people that I know of on the face of the earth who are always um, have to handle the emotional labor of, you know, not getting ourselves murdered. Which, which, which doesn't make any sense. Like the blame and the onus is always on us. Like, put your hands up. Don't talk back. Be loud. Be non-threatening. Well, I'm sorry. I'm a six foot, two hundred forty-two pound black man who works out every day. Like I'm well built. I'm threatening to anybody who doesn't look like me when I walk into a room. And I don't feel like the the the, the uh, you know the pressure should be on me to make myself seem any less threatening. Because as I said to somebody before, somebody said, well, you're a very intimidating person. I said, well, am I intimidating or are you intimidated? Because there's a difference. If I'm intimidating, that means I'm walking into the space and I'm doing something threatening or I'm doing something to make everybody uncomfortable. But if you're intimidated, that's your problem. That's your issue. And that's something that you need to figure out for yourself. That has nothing to do with me. And so I'm not going to accept that responsibility to handle the fact that you're intimidated when I've done nothing but walk into the space just as you are. So like I said, like, it really, for me, it's really difficult because I can go one extreme or the other. One extreme of this is how stuff is. Let me still just try to, you know, keep my own peace and, and meditate and bring light into the world wherever I can shine it. And then there's times where I have this very, the opposite view where I'm just very like angry, sometimes pessimistic. And I can't even think about the light. I can't even think about the positivity. There's never like an in-between with me. And so it really, it's kind of one of those things like, what hour of the day are you catching me in and what type of day have I had? It's the type of response that you'll get. Good. Good. Thanks for sharing all that. And you know, when, when this, when this story first came out, I was already like, it happened so often. I thought I was seeing headlines about the, the black man who was killed for asking people to wear masks. I thought, Oh, it's that again. Like, Oh, but again, to get over my different levels of how shocked should I be? I was like, oh, so, well, well it must have been at night, this, you know, for, for, uh, for Ahmed. It must have been night. It must have been dark. I'm like, then I found the videos out. I'm like, no, broad daylight, <laughs> truck chasing him down while he's jogging and kills him. I was like, what the fuck? So, uh, Dr. Lou, I wanted to have you here for sure because the first time you were on Real Men Feel, you really gave me a sense of the fear that you as a black mother of sons has every day. Um, so h- how, does, how did this yet another instance of, 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 of someone dying for being black. There's really no other reason. But how, how does this hit you again, especially as a mom? I can't keep calm. I'm a mother of three black boys. I can't. I will not. What, was it a week ago that I sent you a message and I told you what happened to my sons as they were jogging in my neighborhood? Yeah. We've lived in this neighborhood for eight years. Eight years. And the oldest boy and the baby boy were jogging and they were escorted home by a police car. Tell me how I'm supposed to be just chilling. All business as freaking usual. You know me, I'm going to go there. I cuss if I need to, because it doesn't make any sense. Now, one of the boys will not go jogging for nothing. Do you blame him? And then tomorrow, when the headlines, African-American kids aged 5 to 11 are twice as likely to kill themselves by suicide. Everyone's like, what? How? Why? What? Why, why not? What kind of world is this? You're hunted like a wild animal. You're hunted like not a wild animal. You do anything. You just be who you are and you're hunted down. What the fuck is that? What, is, what does that mean? What does it even mean? He came home that evening. I was so buzzed. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I didn't know what to say. They're like, mom, it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay because I I can't make it stop. We've only lived here for eight years. We're one of four black people in the community. It's evening for goodness sakes. They have exercise clothes on and their headphones on. How else are they going to look like they're exercising? They have the fluorescent exercise thing on it. This, thank God they were together. I don't know. In a way, I feel, I feel like, okay, thank God they're together. But then what if they're together and they got shot together? You know, I don't know what to say. It doesn't make any sense. Two weeks ago, my neighbor across the street 
19-year-old son killed himself. He was Caucasian. He went to school with my middle son. Three nights ago, 12 midnight, my middle son comes to me looking shaken. I was like, what is it? He said, his friend, his trans friend. He was, she, excuse me. His trans friend, who was a female, a female transgender, was gone down in the barber shop. Please, somebody tell me, the same kid whose classmate three weeks ago, the same kid whose brothers four weeks ago. So if, if he starts acting weird, they're going to say, oh, there goes another one. Like, can they give the kids a break? Can the kids get a break? You're in the barber shop cutting hair. So it's like you can't even do anything. I'm sure you can guess the, the race of the person that was gone down in cold blood. It doesn't make any sense. This was just the, the last one month for this one kid. First, his two brothers, then two people that he knew. Then, of course, two nights ago, his baby brother says, Mom, did you hear about the black kid? The, the, the guy that got killed. I was like, oh, the guy at the, at the shop, at the store, the, the security guy. He said, no. I said, another one, he said, he went, I said, no, 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 don't show me the video. And like, like my friend Will said, after reading three times, Think and Grow Rich, I now know that if, if I don't conquer self, I will be conquered by self. And so I avoid anything. You know, I watched Roots when I was nine. And to this day, I cannot unsee Kunta Kinte getting whooped to the, I don't know what. So I protect myself just like he does, from seeing those images because I cannot unsee them. I completely empathize. And yesterday I went crazy on my Facebook. I went crazy. And I put it out, I said, because of course there's a Facebook group called Christians Against Google. So I went and I said, okay, where are the Christians at? Come on out. Come on, explain why there's a group called Christians Against Google raising funds for this man and his son. Somebody explain to me what kind of madness is that? And then people were like, oh, there are more groups. I'm like, there are like 10 groups trying to raise funds for them, for justice, for them. Mm -hmm. I'm done. We're moving to Abu Dhabi or Dubai as soon as this whole thing is done. I'm done. Is, is, that, is that the only solution? Like, can, can black people just have to like pack up and go where there are only other black people and they, and they feel safe? Like there's got to, or it's or bury my sons or bury my sons. Are you freaking kidding me? Like I'm done. Like I don't know what to do, but I would not go bonkers because I don't want to go bonkers. I mean, there's no option. It's, you can't stay in your backyard. You can't stay in your house. You can't go to work. You can't cut your hair in the barbershop. You can't jog. You can't breathe. Oh my God! Please, if you know anything better, y'all, I'm taking notes. Yeah, and again. Sorry, that was one of the reasons why I posted the video. Like, and I even said in it, you know, it, it's 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 a shame that you know solutions have to be found by those who are oppressed. And then when we do speak up, we are you know we're, we're whining, we're complaining. You know, I live in my apartment here, and I don't. I mean, I talk to my neighbors. However, if I'm hearing things like a kid jumping off of his bed over top of my head and them running around and things like that, or the noise coming up from below, I'm trying to go to bed and she's sitting in her kitchen because that's where my bedroom is, and they're talking, you know, at the top of their voices, everybody can hear everybody. And I know that if I can hear these things, they can too, but I'm the only one that's aware of it, right? But I'm also afraid mm -hmm. to say something. To my landlord, I'm afraid to say something to my neighbors. And I know that there's laws and things like that, and I know what's written in the lease, but I'm a black man, and I live in a white community. So what, what else do I have left? Well, that's the thing about laws and stuff like that. That's why I say it's like stuff is much more nuanced than that. And there's always a bunch of added layers, because when people talk about um, well, we need to, it's, it's, it's solely about legislation. It's not solely about legislation. Um, it, like I said, you got to be strategic about stuff because, for instance, when you look at it's a, it's a humanity thing because when you look at, you know, the legislation is out, like it's very blanketed, right? Um, and people say, well, you got to you gotta change the legislation. Well, no, it's not just about only changing legislation. You also have to change the people who are enforcing it. 
because when you mm-hmm. look at when you look at the, the legal system and how laws are you know laws are perpetuated, it's like, yo, it doesn't matter what what it is. If the person who's enforcing these laws or legislation doesn't look like you or doesn't see you as a human being, it doesn't matter. Then it, then it doesn't matter. You know, I got I remember matter. getting a spirited debate about somebody about police brutality, and they're like. You, uh, you know, or especially after the Philando Castile thing happened here in the, in the Twin Cities, and they're like, well, what, what, what really needs to happen is we need to, we really need to make a change, and we need to push towards more training. I said, no, absolutely not. I said, absolutely not, and I'm getting tired of our people falling for the okie doke. We fall for that crap all the time, and this is this is the one thing, the onus that I do put on black people that I don't think we do enough about is put the extra effort, instead of just raising our voices and hashtagging, put the extra effort into learning and doing the detailed work. And this is the only reason I say that. People, they're like, they get, they get satisfied when they talk about, oh, well, we're going to do more training, we're going to train the officers better, or something like that. Training has nothing to do with it. Because if it training never did. It, it never did. If training had anything to do with it, the same thing that you see happening to black assailants, you see happening to white assailants. Exactly. Yes. So it exactly. Has nothing to do with training. When you when there's a lack of training, you fumble up the job no matter where you are. Yes, across it the board. Happen, it doesn't happen to them. It only happens to us. So it has nothing to do with training. It happens to do with how they see us. And if they don't see and, us and, as individuals and they don't see us as human beings, they're going to treat us in the, any way they want to. And so... I, 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 you know, like with me, like, I don't know if that's a neurotic part about myself or what, like I said, the details are always a big thing to me. So anytime I hear people talking about stuff, when they're not getting to the deep detailed points of it all, or they're not talking about the nuances, I'm like, this is how we still wind up in the same position that we're in. Yes. yes. How we keep, like things do not change. It's never going to change. It's never going to change. If it hasn't changed in 20 freaking 20, it's not going to change. And, you know, like me or not, I'm going to do what I have to do to protect my baby birds. Because the truth is, yesterday, the the three of them went shopping yesterday. It's it's a natural thing to want to hang out with your brother. And they haven't been out of the house, so the three of them went shopping. Do you think I was at peace while they were gone shopping? I was not at peace. Because I'm like, oh my God, I, I can't be at peace. I can't sit still. Somebody's going to see something and think something and then boom. One of them is 5'11". One of them is a little bit, not 5'11". They don't want to slim. And I don't, they're going to find something it's gonna and be say a they did. And then yeah. they'll shoot first and then never ask questions or ask questions never. I mean, yes. what, do you, what do you suggest for us to do? I know, I know, I'm an I know. import. I'm actually an import. Like, like, I'm actually like, I'm Nigerian and I, I emigrated here. But I'm mm-hmm. having the same fears as if I was born here. Because I, I don't have one or two. I have three sons. The only three that I have. Yep. So is, is this, dem- is, real is this built into food. America? Is it built it is, into oh, America? It's an American, yeah. of course. Oh, oh yeah, of course. definitely. So then yeah. can, it, can it change? Like you were saying, it hasn't changed yet. Can you identify what, what should change? What, like, can you get specific? People just... make places. The people make the place. No matter what. If you say, I don't want to go to the east side. People on the east side make the east side. People make the place. America is dangerous because of the people in America. People right. in America. Yeah. If you, America is... Is, a, is a piece of land that you throw people in and then meanness starts. Two days ago, or maybe a week ago, I put them on my Facebook. I said, what age? I have a question of the day that I do every day. I said, what age does bullying begin? I just put that out there because my next book is about bullying. I had someone who said before the parent, before the parents conceives, and she was right. Because if you have that mentality, you're going to birth a child with your mentality. And then tomorrow when something happens as a result of your child bullying my child, wait, my child is at fault for being bullied. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel what you're a lot of what you're saying dr lulu but um you know i have two sons as well Mm. and they are in their early 20s Mm -hmm. Uh, my oldest will be 22 (laughs) this coming june my youngest just turned 20 and um you know i text them not every day but fairly often I text them, I reach out to them, or I'll call and I'll say, you know, if I haven't heard from a while, you need to call your dad. I need to hear your voice. I don't want to forget what you sound like. You know, send me a picture, whatever. I don't want to forget. Like I I say ridiculous sounding things, but they know that it's me saying, I need to know you're still there. And that is one of my fears, you know, to get that phone call 
you know, they both live four and a half hours away from me. You know, so I'm not going to be around when it happens, and I'm certainly probably not going to be anywhere close if it happens. You notice I said when it happens at first. I don't like saying that, but that's the reality of it, is that I could get that phone call any moment, at any time, that tells me that my kids are not alive. Or they could get that phone call at any time, any moment, that tells them that they don't have a dad anymore. Not for natural causes, but because someone didn't find him to be valuable. And so, therefore, you can change laws, definitely. We can try to start mass movements to, you know, change the Constitution and rewrite this and that and the other. But nothing's going to change because it's already ingrained in the fabric of the society. But there's so a, how do we go so, ahead. so I got an answer for that. So there's a way to change it. But it's going to take it's going to take stimulus and not by traditional means. And this is what I'm talking about. If, if you have not seen anything that happened, any significant change that happens in this country, we are always the guinea pigs first. Right. When it was opioids, drug epidemic, stuff like that, it was bad choices when it was us. Then when it went, it went into the middle class communities and white communities and stuff like that, you have a, oh, now it's an opioid crisis and epidemic. And now we throw resources to it. Guns, there were, people talk about gun laws and stuff now. People, a lot of people don't realize gun laws were the gun laws that we even do have right now weren't even really a thing until the Black Panthers read up on gun laws and restrictions, armed themselves, and then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, Congress and the white community is like, you know what, we need to put gun legislation in there. And so, like, I was, I'm a person who believes that we should have some gun laws. Um, I'm not, I'm not anti-gun because I'm also a person who grew up in community where I could just tell you, I'm just being honest with you. There's some communities I grew up in, don't walk in there unless you have something. And, and I just gotta, I just gotta be real about that. I am against, you know, automatic rifles and semi-automatic, like I'm against that type of thing. But I was telling people, I was like, okay, we want gun laws now. If we really serious about having gun laws, then we should ser- be serious about mobilizing and every African-American community and having all African-American people legally take up arms. That's right. You'll get your, you'll get your, gun, you'll get your gun laws quick. In a, in, overnight. Yes. I'm overnight. Gonna you, and I'm going to tell you how fast that stuff works. When it comes to the capitalism, you hit people in their pocketbooks and you hit people with stuff that matters. I remember last year, last it was in the summer or last uh, fall, like there was an incident in the airline where a couple's, they were, they were traveling with their dog or their puppy or whatever, and the puppy got put in the bottom cabin or whatever of the airplane and died. What do you know? A week or two weeks later, I think it was on the East Coast, I want to say Massachusetts or something like that, legislation was passed about animals on planes. Why? Because I got a lot of friends who, like, joke around and say this, but they're like, if you can get white people to care about everybody, everything else, like, you care, they care about their dogs, the world would be a better place. And, it, and, it, and they say it in a flippant manner, but in a manner of speaking, like, it's – it's kind of true. You look at the it's way. Not it's kind of true. true. It is true. Yes, it's, it's, not true. it's very true. You look at the way. You look at the way. Like, and I'm not condoning what he did, but you look at the way people still treat Michael Vick to this day for what he did. Yes. And you look at how they glorify other people for stuff that they did. It's just like you would act like this guy was like maraudering through the United States, killing yes. children, yes. not animals. Again, yes. I don't condone what he was doing with animals. I don't condone doing that that barbaric behavior. But you, you would you would think that he was like maraudering through raiding daycares, killing children, the way that they still protest yeah. this guy today, yeah. despite the fact that he's paid his he's paid his dues, he's paid his fines, he's done all type of community service, he's re totally reshaped his life. So it's like if we want to do these things, we have to do it through certain stimulus. We want gun legislation. Where does it? What are they afraid of? Intelligent armed black people. Fine, legally armed black people, not Ill- illegally, legally armed black people. You want to stop police officers and the and the system from gunning down unarmed black people? Cool. Start pushing and passing legislation that takes away from their pensions. You want to if you you think you want to riot and that's the way that you want to go with it? Fine. Don't riot in your neighborhood though. Go to the suburbs. Riot in their neighborhoods. You know why? Because those are where they they live at. Those are individuals in those neighborhoods who live in a tax bracket that added, that that really that speaks make a audience, people mm-hmm. sitting in seats. So if they, those people in those wealthier suburbs where the officers live at or who have, live in a tax bracket 
which you know, uh, uh, you know, disproportionately and healthily donates to a lot of these legislators and these politicians, if they're afraid that every time somebody in the police department does something wrong in our neighborhood, that we're going to come come up come tear up their neighborhood, just out of pure self-preservation, what do you think they're going to start pushing and lobbying? Amen. Amen. And so yeah. everything again, everything has to be done with strategy. It can't be done with this, uh, the 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 traditional um, manner or whatever, because that in itself is the trick. That's the trap. We want you to, anytime we want you to change things, we want you to change things in a way that makes us feel comfortable, right? We mm -hmm. want you to, it's a protest. Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job yet. Exactly. He just drafted a kicker who has white supremacist tattoos and is a white supremacist. So right. is it about that? Why, and why the owners say that they didn't want to have Colin Kaepernick on their team? Why? Because of ticket sales, capitalism. You have to be strategic about how these things work. We can't go about it about the traditional ways. So yes. The vehicle or what we're trying to change is a traditional system, but we have to do use different vehicles and mobilize through different uh, different ways to actually effectively uh, get that change. Because if we continue to try to get the change in, in the ways that we're doing, that in fact does not work. Because I'm the type of person, if I'm stuck on something and I'm making a change, I don't care if you stand out in front of my house every day with a sign yelling, protesting, hooting and hollering about everything. You know why? Because I am a person who knows how to go inside of myself and is strong and knows how to tune everything out. So you can do that every day to me and it's not going to make me change anything. But and, and a lot of them operate the same way. There's a lot of politicians and stuff who sit by and they sit and they wait and they go, you know what? Let the people holler. Let them throw their signs up. Let them scream, yell, stuff like that. But after about a couple of weeks or a month, they'll get tired of it. It'll be status quo. And history yeah. has shown that has exactly been it's how repeated. it is. Yes. The only time that it has effectively worked is when we use the different, like we, we have had persevered and we've affected them financially. Everybody talks about the Montgomery bus boycotts, but everybody doesn't tell you the complete truth about that. When they teach you about the Montgomery bus boycotts and when you're in elementary school, they make it seem like people protest and like African-Americans protested, didn't ride the bus and stuff like that for a couple of weeks. And lo and behold, things changed. Nope. That bus protest actually lasted a few years until yes. economically it affected their public transportation system so bad that they're yes. like, you know what? We got to switch this up. You have to hit them economically. It's not enough just to stand out and holler and hold a sign and do a hashtag and a tweet or something like that. What else are you doing after that? What type of actionable steps are you putting in place after that? We have to use unconventional vehicles to really affect change. And if we keep thinking that this age old, I'm going to stand out with a sign and pre like hashtag and stand out in front of somebody's house is going to work. We were going to be having these same conversations. We're going to be on Real Men Feel again next year, having the same panel. How about the exact same thing? Be gone. That's just how it is. And you don't have to take my word for it. Do your research. History speaks for itself. That is true. I agree. I completely yeah. agree. It's the same thing with the sanitation strikes around the same time. Um, <clears throat> it started affecting people's pocketbooks and economics. Now, oh, I guess we'll do something about it now. You know, me personally, I don't know what I could do to affect, you know, people's pocketbooks to make them stop shooting uh, unarmed black people. But I love your ideas, Will. <laughs> they're great. Yeah, I know. I was going to say they're great ideas. I wish Donald Trump would listen to them because, I mean, ultimately, it has to get to the right ears. I mean, right now, it makes a lot of sense. But it doesn't change. I mean, and I love the fact that you said something about the retraining. Retraining what you've been trained. And I mean, they put you out there to be a policeman because you graduated your police academy and you supposedly know what you're doing. But it's only, and for those of us who have three black sons, I don't know any other way to unhave three black sons. I love my kids, but I don't want every time they step outside the door, I'm thinking, I, if they're walking the dog, it doesn't matter what they're doing. Somebody's going to see something and feel threatened. I mean, what are we in the, the, the 40s? Is that it? Is that is it so? Is it white people feel threatened by black people? Is that is of that the course. core? Of course, no. Well, some of it is just plain old hatred. I mean, some of them is just it's hatred. the core. And I mean, to... this has been going on. You know, I mean, I had to. I really wanted to sit down. I did some little preparations before this chat, but I was going to relook at a lot of different things anyway from the beginning. And one of the things that I did watch, like I watched uh, Michelle Obama's uh, documentary about her book. And becoming, and then I also rewatched the document um, 13. And, um, you know, just to again remind myself, and I'll sit and watch these things or read things just to keep 
it fresh in my head to remind myself of what's going on. This has been going on the villainization uh, uh, and uh, the dehumanization of mm. black people. Has, we were never meant to be citizens. We were never meant to get and share in the same benefits of the Constitution that the white people share in. So this, again, is just, it's a brick wall. It's like this force that we're up against every single day for our entire lives. Before our lives even begin, exactly. we're behind the curve. And so, you know... And- it's a subconscious thing as well, though, too, because like, like Andy just said, he said, do you, do you think that's what it is? Do you think that it's like, you know, white people are afraid of black people? And I will, I will go as far as to say to the individual, I'm not going to say that that is the case because there are some amazing white allies out there who are actually literally doing the work. Like Andy. Doing, they're <laughs> like Andy. Doing, they're, they're literally doing the things that we're saying like, no, you can't just do this. You got to put, you got to break your back and do this. And some of them are literally doing it to make things change. But I will say on a monolithic level, yes, white America is afraid of black America. And they're also afraid of, and, and a lot of it comes from the fact of too, it's like a power thing. You know, like they're afraid of like losing power. Losing name power. Any force, name, name any powerful entity throughout history that has willingly given that power up. And like, I've even confronted some, some, some individuals who claim to be allies locally and talk about they believe in equity, talk about they believe in reparations, talk about they believe in, uh, in, in all these things. I said, oh, and this is my litmus. I was like, you really believe in like equity and reparations and, you know, all things being even and we should, you know, switch, like flip the gamut. I'm like, well, cool. Well, seeing as how your family's wealth that was generated, uh, you know, that was generated through, through, through slavery and stuff like that, you can trace it back in, 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 in equitable manners. Are you willing to give some of your land or some of your or some of what's in your bank account up to the next black family down the street who doesn't have as much crickets quiet it's, it's quiet because if we were really gonna be like nitpick and and, and and do like parcel and piece that's whole thing down like that's what we would have to do if we want to talk about like reparations and 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 that sort of thing and really being equal and treating 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 black folks like in a fair and equitable manner because when you look at other cultures that come here like reparations are paid to other entities in, in some shape form or fashion they come here just not just not black america and i think a lot of that is strategic too because you have uh what they call the um the model minority that concept of having the model minority and it's one of those things where if you can still even if you're a minority or if you're an immigrant you come to this country if you can still keep people divided into groups they won't unite and see, for the greater good and see issues um, from above that come from white America, but just not just not all of white America, but wealthy white America is what it comes down to. Because the thing that I feel almost feel bad about, like poor white America, is they're almost like pawns in the whole game. That wealthy rich people see poor white Americans the way that they see African Americans, but they've managed to utilize that southern strategy so well of making them feel like well, at least I'm better than them that they don't see that they're being screwed in the whole in the whole gamut of the game as well. Like poor white Americans don't see that, you know, the situation that they're in right now, like especially farmers losing their farms, going bankrupt, um, the the loss of health care for, for a lot of these manual labor workers and stuff in white America, like this is all because of that person you helped put in the office. Hello. Now, he wasn't he wasn't fighting for you. He I never did. He was fighting for people who look like him that are rich. One percent. That look like him. He was fighting for people that look like him that were rich. And so, right. to some point, so like I said, like it's like they're playing chess. The top one percent, rich white America is playing chess. The rest of us have been playing checkers. And when the rest of us who know that the game is chess versus checkers try to talk to everybody else about, yo, we need to switch our game plan up, then we get talked about as. You know, we're being, uh, we're preaching on a pedestal, or they don't feel like hearing it because, it, to be to some extent, ignorance is bliss. Some people don't want to deal with the fact of the things that we say we feel all the time. And like I've been honest about it before. It's just like it's hard as a black person waking up every day in a country that you know has laws and systems built to destroy you, and you go out and every day and you interact with people who want to kill you. You have no idea how much pressure and pain that is to go with on an everyday basis. Hello. So being a top-notch athlete and playing a semi-professional football and playing college sports and stuff like that, 
I told somebody asked me before if I felt pressure. I was like, hell no, I don't feel pressure. I didn't feel I don't feel pressure meeting the family for the first time of a significant other. I don't feel pressure at a big game. I don't never feel pressure because simply being black and being aware of my social economic status and my social standing in this country is enough pressure. I was born with that. Even before I could articulate what it was, I knew what the feeling was as soon as I became self-aware at two, three, four years old. And so as you get older and you become more educated, you know what it is. You don't feel pressure about that. And it's frustrating and it's painful every day for somebody who is aware of those things to walk out into the world and stuff like that. And so you just kind of, like I said, it kind of leaves you in almost like just a bipolar state of mind. Bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> so actually I was gonna I was gonna agree with you in the sense that what you mentioned is what they call post-traumatic slave syndrome or epigenetics, whereby my mother or well for my sons, I can give them the angst and, and, and societal pressures and all the everything that I came from and exactly. I give it and I give it to them. And then like you said, at two, three years old, hush, don't do that because that's you're triggered and you don't even know why. Yeah. But it could yeah, don't, don't, right. don't say it that way. Yeah. Oh no, no, we don't do that. Why? We just don't do it. Just we just don't do it. You know? You don't even know why you don't do it. It's been for generations and generations and generations. And like you said, if you dare say, well, oh, wait, wait. No, you're not going to, you're not, surely you're not talking about slavery again. Like, like, you're, like, you know, okay, forget about slavery. What about yesterday, the guy that got charged? Like, okay, you don't need to go too far. You're talking about Black Panthers. Thank God you brought that up because that is exactly what happened. And look at today. Oh, 45 is now all about, um, I think his spouse is talking about, um, Heroin and crack, no, not heroin. Um, oh my God, opioid addiction, sorry. And all of a sudden it's like a big deal. Wait, 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 what? Do you know the history behind that? Way, 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 way back when African-American patients went to see the doctor for the exact same amount of pain, we were seen as not able to feel pain. So we were not given- We weren't the even given the same amount. We yeah. were not given the good stuff. That's why we're That's still here. Still Still I know, I know. Oh my goodness. I, just yesterday I posted a, a video of a nurse who was crying about how black people who present at the hospital with COVID freaking 19 are killed. Like the gentleman came and the child, the, the patient had a, a heartbeat of 40 where you start CPR. He went ahead and used the pads and give the, baby, give the heart shock. You don't do that. And of course the heart stopped. You don't know, but she said, this, this is not the first, but many, many of them just come in and they just stop that. You're not supposed to do that. I mean, just, no. just one example. I mean, you can't even get sick of COVID. It's like nothing works. Yes. And I was writing down here, going back to slavery and going back to talking about census and stuff. I had to reach deep down and look into the fact that in the way, way back during the slavery, they actually had jacked up the numbers of black people who had met well they call them idiots or mental illness they call them crazy or idiots right they jacked up the numbers so they could build more asylums to put them in when i found and i only found about because the history channel called to interview me on friday so i was like oh let me read up on this i'm like so this was this was going on even then like we can't get a big so like my friend my friend my brother al said we were never supposed to See, the, 20, the 20s, we're supposed to all be dead or gone when they are done using us. You know, and it's just terrible that today you can still see it in every which way from Sandra Bland, because it's not only the black men, I know we're talking about black women, but there's black women too, there's Sandra freaking Bland, that's in Texas right here. I live in Texas. So it's like, it's not, we can't do anything. And it's, yeah. it's I, I wish I could tell Andy, my friend, my brother, something that this is what we can do. We can, but I appreciate you. I have to say that I appreciate you trying to do something. Say, mm -hmm. I just put the word out there. It's, yeah. it's we have to give credit where it's due. Exactly. Oh. You're using your platform to get, yes. help us have a voice. And that's, yes. that's greatly, or not just have a voice, but to be able to get our voices out there uh, even further to a broader audience. And that's really greatly appreciated. I mean, yes. but there's, you know, this is definitely beyond just in the fabric of our nation and being systemic, yes. you know, within the government. I mean, but here's another question. Though. It, it, why is he doing uh, it by himself? Why is he, why is Andy doing it by himself? So why aren't there other people along with him who have a platform doing it? Hence, that's it. Yes. That's it. Uh, so that's, that's, it. that's, 
he answered my call, so to speak, like do something. And I appreciate yeah. that. Exactly. Uh, why hey, because you know what they said? There are many know. seeds that fell, and some seeds fell on thorny ground, some seeds fell on fertile land, some seeds fell on wherever, and the birds got picked picked them up. So at least this your seed fell on fertile ground with regards to Andy. And you know what? We're going to multiply it. We're going, we're not gonna stop. You know, we're gonna continue. I mean, I appreciate I was like, yes, when he asked me this, I was like, please. You know, because I mean, oh my God. I mean, I don't know what to say, y'all. I mean, you know, I start crying. Andy knows that. So I'm just going to stop. It's, it's, you know, I don't know. I mean, even sometimes with, you know, saying, oh, people just need to understand. I don't always believe that if understanding is going to help. Because, I mean, like, you know, Dr. Lewis said, you know, it's passed on before, like in the womb. So before I was even born, you know, things were passed on to me. And I didn't know why they were there. And then I learned these things as I'm growing up in my family and my communities I grew up in. And then, so I have all that internal that I'm dealing with. And then but even if you I were not born with it, even if you were not born with it like I wasn't, when you come here, I've acquired it, becomes, it because of my, yeah. Exactly, you acquire it. So and then he, you face all the outside oh, that's coming at you. You know, the, you can't do this, you can't do that, you know, and one of the greatest travesties, in my opinion, that happened happened for eight years when there was a black man in the White House. Mm. Because everything he did, people were against Will him constantly, constantly, constantly. And then it's really tiring in these next, uh, these post four years after him with the systematic dismantling of what things that he's done, things that make sense, things that are good for this country. Like, Come on, uh, you know, but it's because a black man did it, it's not yes. good enough. Yes, yes. So, but you know what, though? You know what they call fear? Fear is false evidence that appears real. But that tells you the kind of cognitive dissonance it takes to be in power and still blame the person who is no longer in power. Like, how damaged really are you, the jailer? And that's what there's a song by a Nigerian girl called Asha. It's called Jailer. She says, you, Jayla, you have to wear a uniform too. You're also in chains. To keep me in chains, you have to be in chains. It's like they say, a little, a little kid, an African proverb that says, a little kid who says his mother is not going to sleep, he's not going to get any sleep either because he has to stay up to cry so his mama can stay up to take care of him. So this is what's happening right now. Like, this gentleman is gone, he's finished his time, and yet you keep going back and going back. That tells you the level of the mindset and how deeply damaged and the fact that everyone is willing to look the other way. Which I have is a pediatrician. Use triggers to do the change. We can't. No, but I, what I was going to say is, is we have to, I hear we you. Have to trigger them. Pride. Be like I said. The right way. Yes. Pride. I know that you're afraid of me and people who look like me arming up. So if I want gun change, what I'll do. I don't, we don't uh-huh. even need Black America to buy guns. We just need you to get you legally registered to go right. purchase carry and watch what type of change we'll see. And so, and, and what you're process. saying is a hundred percent correct. Al about um, it, people not needing to that understanding isn't necessarily a thing because I've said that plenty of times. Understanding is not people act like understanding and acceptance aren't mutually exclusive. They can be exclusive. You don't always have to understand how something works to it to for to accept it to, or to vice accept versa. It. I tell people all the time, I was like, mostly y'all don't even can't tell me how your TV works, but you sit and you watch it every day. Hello. So so you don't need understanding all the time for acceptance. Right. Well I think you, you, what you what there does need to be empathy. Right? Yes. And that's different than yeah. So like I I can't feel what it's like to wake up risking feel like i'm risking my life by being in this country i i can't but i can empathize i'm like can end it talk like i've never heard anyone say that well i'm like and that everyone else agreed like wow that's that's shocking to me and you know i used to think racism was taught and hearing you all talk about like wow no it it is it's deeper than that it's just it's almost it's like automatically taught it's osmosis it's not sitting you down and go see they're black they're different don't hate them don't go play with them but that's what's blowing my mind like um you know, I was, was uh, my parents were, ahead, were broke. So I, I grew up, I, uh, when I was like one and two years old, I was in Springfield, Massachusetts. And my folks worked at like uh, day camps and uh, Salvation Army things. And like I was raised in hell by like every color there is. 
And I grew up like, I really like great and having black friends and buddies and things. And then as I remember as we grew older, um, seeing someone like in high school that I hadn't seen since like we're like in the fourth grade and we're like, Hey, and hug each other. And then we realized everyone's looking at us and it was like the black <laughs> half and the white half. Like, I'm like, Oh wow. We crossed the fucking line without even realizing. Yeah, um, yeah. But so that's why I was in. And I remember seeing studies of like Palestinian kids and Israeli kids getting sent to summer camp and they become friends. So I always thought racism was, there's so much separation in where we live and how we live and the jobs we get that if people interacted more, they could actually become friends and things would dissolve. But maybe it's just, is it just too stacked? It's just the, the, the structure there that keep us apart as, as races, as economies, as people is, is it's the, it's the lower, it's the lower power that does that. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think if everybody was rendered in a position where, your your class status, your social status, your racial status didn't give you uh, a perceived leg up on another person. I don't think that it would matter that much. Matter of fact, that's why races were created in this country, like to begin with, right? When you're at camp, like it was different. Like that, you, you know, you weren't you weren't taught that you were better than somebody else. They weren't taught you were better, and they're in an, in all, ten, all intents and purposes in a camp. Everything was the same. So there was no, so there was no, there was no, there was no arbitrary division there. You know what I mean? And it's also one of the things why I say like, uh, people, people act like because there's more like, um, I heard somebody say, well, where there's more interracial relationships and interracial marriages and children out there, and pretty soon there won't be racism because, uh, because you know, uh, um, uh, everybody will be mixed anyway. I was just like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because it's, it's not all, true. It's all arbit- They'll still find a way to divide you. It's like, because you people don't think from a history. Again, history never lies. History will always lay the blueprint for you. People act like Italian and Irish people weren't considered and weren't, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, weren't ostracized when they first came to America, too. It was only until the point where they got to a specific state where they could assimilate mm-hmm. and take on that uh, American, that, that mantle of being a white American. And, you, and, and usually you can correlate that too with the upward mobility of African-Americans, that it was like, damn, African-Americans are kind of getting a leg up. We might as well bring the other group of people in too, so they can be, mm-hmm. you know, so they could be just like us, you know, hey, in the th- you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, to be Italian or to be Irish wasn't a good thing either. You were getting beat up by, you know, white America too and ostracized by white America too. I mean, stuff like that. So it's like, they will always find a line or they always find a way um, to, to divide people and, and promote some and, 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 and demote others. What you have to do is dismantle the whole, the, the whole system, the whole class system, the whole racial hierarchy system, all of that. Because without yeah. the dismantling the system, you can still have groups of people who are the same, who like the same nationality, and they will divide. Look at India; they have caste systems. Yes, and they have look at Nigeria. Systems. We have ethnicity. We have et- ethnicism or whatever. I forget exactly. In Nigeria, so it's gotta it's gotta be one of those things. Like you have to dismantle the system. You have to. That I, I really like think that analogy that you. Or that story, the anecdote that you told about being a young kid in camp, like, why? Because everybody in camp is getting the same lunch. Everybody in camp is getting the same amount of playtime. You get the same activities. There's no, the same arts and crafts. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely no way that they can switch you guys up there. Nope. It's, it's when you get out into the real world. Yes. And you get out of that closed ecosystem. Yes. When there's a way to divide and exclude people, promote others, then you start yes. seeing it. And that's the only way to explain it. That's how do you think they got colorism in the African American community? It's the same exactly. way. Exactly. And then somebody said we defi- we found a way to even divide to ourselves. Our own selves. Yes. yes. And that's a bigger problem almost. I was going to mention that at the beginning. That's almost a bigger problem because going back to slavery, and I go back there because I've studied that a lot, going back to slavery mainly because it was my people, my ancestors, that were sold into slavery. Like, I'm actually like Nigerian. Like, we know families where slaves were taken from. Well, how do you think the man on what they call the iron horse, which is a, a bicycle, how do you think the white man on an iron horse knew which family to go get the slaves from? How do you think he did? Other he had an Africans. inside guy. 
Yeah, yeah, he had an inside guy. And so ultimately, we have blacks for Trump in this world. So let me tell you something. All skin folk are not kin folk. Oh, yeah. All We've skin got folk are not kin That's for them, yeah. sure. Yeah. So, so, so going back to Brother Will's discussion, it's going to be a Herculean task to get all of us to, first of all, agree that we want to do it that way. Even the Black Panthers, they had haters. I'm not for oh, yeah. blacks. Uh, please. Yeah, and my kids, you know, my boys are interracial. They are sort of accepted by <laughs> the white side of their family. Sorta. No, wait, let sorta. me say this. They are sort of accepted by the black side of their family. Not me, but <laughs> those that come from my side. And they are mm, Maybe. okay accepted <laughs> by the white side of their family. Okay, because here's the thing. In the black community, they ain't black enough. But in the mm. white community, they're black. So <laughs> they're not you know, white at all. <laughs> it doesn't help, you know. And these are things that I've had to tell them growing up. Listen, you are black men. You're always gonna be black men. I don't care how fair your skin is, I don't care what your hair looks like, how whatever you can pass, whatever. None of y'all gonna pass because you broke out my noses. But regardless, <laughs> you you're black men. Okay. <laughs> And you must carry yourselves accordingly in this world because that's how you're always no, going to treat. It's not funny. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's so true. You're right about so that. In the, in the end, you know, in the end, you know, we, we're kind of sort of where we started. Andy, thank you so much for giving us an opportunity. I think we should do this again. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to get Brother Al and definitely Brother Will on my podcast. Because y'all got something to say. So maybe I'll call all of y'all together. Andy, don't put me out there. We're, we're going to publish it soon. <laughs> and then well, we yeah, can do and another one. <laughs> thank you, Andy. I mean, again, as I said, you know, you accepted my challenge. You used your resources, your platform to start something, you know. And let's hope that, you know, this keeps going. I mean, I'm tired of seeing it. And Will, my brother. <laughs> I like your ideas, man. I'm not to stay in contact with you on this one. <laughs> well, we can't do it out of Thank Facebook because he's not in Facebook. We got to go through, no, Al, through Andy. <laughs> we got to go through Andy try to get a brother up in here. No, no, no. I'm not a gatekeeper. I'm not separating people. Don't, don't, call, don't, blame, it. don't blame that on me. This is one group that I'm not separating. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying, no, no. I'm saying since he's not on Facebook, we're going to go yeah. through you to get to him. That's what I'm saying. I can tell because you the secret you know to find him. Yeah. Uh, I definitely appreciate it being on with all you all. And, uh, and a thanks, too, actually, to Andy, because he did accept the challenge and because he did do, um, go take the extra step besides reading an article and going, yeah, that sucks. Oh, well, yeah. let me go on about my day. Like he did something, and that's huge because the thing is, there's a lot of, the thing about our people too is a lot of us have been traumatized so much that the, the oppressors don't need to traumatize us. We'll traumatize ourselves, Self right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people in our own community who wouldn't take the extra step to do that. So, I, you know, we, you're, you're right. We do got to throw a special thanks out to, to Andy for doing that. And, um, and I'm definitely open and willing to keep the dialogue going and, doing whatever we can to move it. But, you know, more importantly, just for, for individuals like the four of us that are on right now, um, knowing that we're not, all four of us aren't in it by ourselves because that's the worst part of doing this type of work. When you feel like you're by yourself, it becomes an even more daunting task and it becomes exhausting. Yes. Um, and so the four of us are not in it by ourselves. And that's just something that when it gets harder, when we feel like quitting, because we will, no matter how vigorous we are and how much we're into this work and we want to see things change, there'll be a point in time where every last one of us will be like, you know what? It doesn't really feel like it's making anything different. So let's just, whatever. I'm tired of this. I'll leave it to somebody else to think back on it and go, you know what? Nope. I at least know that there are 300 individuals who are pushing to make some sort of change like I'm doing. And hopefully, even if it's not for us, it's not about being selfish, just seeing the change for us, but seeing the change for our kids and grandkids and stuff like that. Yes. Cool. Um, thank you all so much. I, I appreciate the, the kind words and wishes, but really I opened saying that this was the least I could do. This is the absolute fucking least I could do. I made an hour of time available to talk to people, people I like, 
right? I, and I, I, it took me a little bit of track you down, get to greet upon time. This was the minimal effort I could spend on a weekend to address a, a big fucking issue that I don't know what to do about. And that, that's why I wanted to do this. And this has been uncomfortable for me to sit through. It really has. And I invite everyone, whatever color you are, whatever country you're from, be willing to be uncomfortable, right? Open your mind a little bit yes. to hear someone. Like, get, get, yes. ask someone to explain something that you don't understand. If, if, you, if you don't see middle-aged white guys with assault rifles protesting for their right to get a haircut and go oh, bowling, um, like, and you can't, still don't get that white privilege is a thing, like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. But uh, talk to people, right? Yeah. Go out of your norm. Go out of your neighborhood. Even if you can't visit places yet, drive around. <laughs> wave at people. Whatever you can do. Um, you know, get on Zoom, have conversations like this. But say that again for those at the back. <laughs> I was shocked when I saw that. I'm like, what the? And then, so I'm like, you know me, I'm going to go there. I'm like, well, son, if you're going, sir, if you're going to protest, don't wear a mask. Why you got a mask on? Like, no, right. let's take your gun and shoot the virus. <laughs> yeah, you're saying, I want to go back to work. Yeah, this is a yeah. hoax and this is fake, but you got a mask <laughs> I, then, like I mean, man. honestly, I don't understand where the guns for. Oh, because you have a right to so kill yeah, them. Yeah, you have to shoot the virus. Whatever, man. Like, and like this, this, so, this is something that I, as as the reports that done. this hurts the African American community more, co- more COVID deaths going to the black community. Yes. Then everyone wanted to open up the states fast and get back to work. Yes. Like, did yeah. you see that? Is that just my yes. perception? All right. Mm. No, I've seen it, and it's it's saddened. It's saddening. I mean, and there's mm. many different, many a multitude, multitude of different reasons for for that happening. But I mean, we even touched on it a little bit. I mean, in general, in the black community, there's there's an, a, a lack of trust for the medical and healthcare system. I mean, we've been and I wonder why. Wait, 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 but I wonder why. Given diseases. Why. Is it, no, but what I was going to say is, is there a reason? Of course, there's a reason. It's valid. I don't blame them. When I first started my practice many, many, many moons ago in this tiny little town called Heath Springs, South Kakalaki, 1,000 people with one stoplight in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. The mayor happened to be a female, and she was very happy that I was there. Obviously, she's Caucasian, and Taylor, rest her soul. She said, I was, she said I'm going to help your practice make it. I'm going to donate the old health department to you for your practice. I was like, Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much. I walk into the health department and something hits me like, boom. I was like, what's that feeling? Then I walk further in and I, and I noticed everything was duplicate. Then I said, ma'am, why is everything on this side also on this side? He said, oh, you know, in, in the old days when it was first built, we had the black people on this side and the white people on this side. That's what hit me. My ancestors were like, get out of there. <laughs> and then I started asking and people were like, oh, that in those days, they will wait until the last white patient is seen. I don't care if the black person is dying. I mean, it was just, this is real life America. Like, honey, there's a reason that they should distrust. I don't blame them for distrusting. We don't have a history of making them trust us. We don't. Personal story. My my biological grandmother passed away when my mother was seven years old. She got a blood clot in her leg that eventually went to her heart. She was never treated properly. She was never given the proper medications. She was never even fully explained or even given the testings to fully explain what was going on with her and what was happening to her. Okay. This is why many of Black people have these stories. But then you look at, you know, the Tuskegee experiments and then uh, OBGYN, gynecology is built on experiments of Black, on black women. And then even just as recently as last year or two years ago, Serena Williams, she was a patient. And they left her onto someone and said, wait, isn't that Serena Williams? She was one of the reasons I got into my work. So I mean, That's what I'm saying. In, two years ago, because her baby is not even two. I don't know how old the baby is, but either way, recent memory. So and I'm not saying Serena should be treated differently. I'm saying just so you see that to them, all of us are the same. Oh, you know, just wait. You're not really, you're not really having what you say you're having. Yeah. yeah, that's another thing. I've been told, you know, 
as a kid, I'm getting stitches in my head. And that's a whole other story, but <laughs> getting stitches in my head. And, I can only imagine. You know, I'm like, this hurts. And I'm, I don't have a high pain threshold. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a baby. Like, you, you pitch me and I'm going to scream bloody murder. Okay. <laughs> so I've got this needle going in and out of my scalp here. And I'm like, this hurts. You know, I can still feel it. And, you know, the doctor, who was a white man, is sitting there saying, oh, that doesn't hurt. We numbed it up. You can't feel that. And I'm like, wait a minute here. You're telling me what I can't feel when mm. I'm telling you what I do feel? Like, oh. this is what. This is ridiculousness. But that what you what, what, what both of you are explaining, or is it an example, an extrapolation of exactly what I was saying? We've been traumatized by the medical community so much, we've begun traumatizing ourselves in the form of not getting the proper care that yes. we need to get, not taking the proper mm-hmm. precautions. Because yes. they've done they've done the job of conditioning the conditioning us the, 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 themselves. Now they don't even have to do the work. They can look at us and be like, you know what? We need you to come in. We're like, nah. We're like, they're like, we're serious. And they're actually right. And we're like, you know what? Nah, nah I'll nah. get I'm going to call my mama. Medical. I'm going to call my pastor. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to get prayed okay. on. So we really got to do the work ourselves, too, in a community. It's not an either-or thing. It's a, it's a both-and. We need mm. to change We need to change the, 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 the structure in the system, but we got to do the work in our community as well. Um, because we can't make some significant movement system wide if we're still ailing, operating on with one arm and one leg ourselves in our own community. We really got to do the work all over. Cool. Well, I'm going to wrap this up and uh, we can all continue this and you can continue it and everyone listening, continue this, be willing to have difficult discussions, be willing to be uncomfortable. That's the only way we can all have a better life, right? Um, it's funny you said that because actually that's that's exactly what the butterfly said to the caterpillar. <laughs> Are you going to be uncomfortable? <laughs> but eventually you're going to become a butterfly. But can you can you can you do this? Yeah. And right now, Adam, we're below the caterpillar level. It's just unfortunate, but it's true. <laughs> so until next time, thank you all for joining me. Thank you for listening, and uh, be good to each other. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Contact us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel.